avoid legal snags by okay that pop-up went away i guess it wasn't that important it's uh make sure everyone on the call knows you're recording because oh but, is that what it says but texas is a one-party state so if you know you're recording you're okay to record yeah but nice nick lives in 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 yankee coda or south canada or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah south canada is pretty accurate yeah yeah uh, just a heads up, if you guys do hear this, that's a hookah, and not what you think it is. Okay. It sounded like like you were rolling dice down a, a what are those things called? The rain tube things? Didgeridoo? <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> a rain stick? Yeah, yeah, a rain stick. There you go. All I got was this stupid stick that makes it rain. coffee the old-fashioned way with a percolator yeah there you go pour over is the better method but whatever i'm a french <laughs> press man especially when i'm camping that's it's so easy i used to do french press like daily and probably about a year ago i started a cold brew thing and now i cold brew everything nice i just go for least effort possible we've got a oh, hot yeah. tap at, we've yeah. got a hot tap at work and i keep meaning to buy myself a a decent sized French press that I can just use for work. Yeah. I mean, we have a kettle, an electric kettle that we can use, but my wife uses it for tea most of the time, but she got me for, I guess it was for Christmas. She got like this, I want to say four quart, uh, cold press thing with like a spigot on the front. Cause when you do, co or not cold press, sorry, cold brew. Cause when you do cold brew, it's like, comes out kind of like a concentrate and you want to water it down a bit, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I think lasts me about four days per per go, and I don't know, just something. It, it's too flipping hot down here in the summer to to drink hot coffee every morning, and then it doesn't get cold enough in the winter to dissuade me from cold brews. So it worked out. Mm -hmm. Must be nice. <laughs> As the uh, what the cyclone bomb bomb cyclone whatever they're calling it. <laughs> we just had a warm snap. All the snow's pretty much gone up here. We had like, gosh, probably six or eight inches piled up. Dude, it got to 73 today. Jeez, it's been 80. raining here the last couple days. It got to 81 in Austin. Oh, <laughs> killing me, man. So freaking hot. It is. It is so painful. Mm -hmm. I got. I went to the rent fair this weekend. I was a happy person. Yeah. So, nice. Yeah. Thinking about going to the beach tomorrow. It's supposed to be like 60 something. Did y'all dress up at the rent fair? No, first, whenever we go for, it's not the first week in the rent fair, but it's the second weekend of the rent fair down here, and we don't go first weekend in garb. The second weekend we'll go, we'll go in garb, just because uh, normally the first weekend is shopping and getting the small stuff that we may need, you know, accessories, if we want to change out anything. For me, all I really saw there that I wanted was a new quiver, so I got that. You're making me so happy that we don't dress up. That sounds extremely expensive. It's not so bad if you build it up piece at a time. And there's certain vendors that are actually really, really good. Uh, the one that I, we generally buy most of our stuff from is, uh, if it's for me, it's a place called Ren Shirts. Uh, they're in Sherwood. They go to one or two of the other ones here in Texas. And the other one we go to a lot is one called Zutsu. 
uh, with a Z, actually two Zs. Um, their stuff is reasonably priced. It'll set you back a little bit, but as long the, the beauty of Ren clothes is you buy them a size too big and then you throw a belt around it. So if your weight fluctuates a little bit, it's all the same. Nice. So does the the Zoot Zoo sell Zoot suits? They That's do not. That was, that was the they, joke I was just about to make. If mm-hmm. they did, would there be a riot? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. That, that's how we're doing tonight, guys. <laughs> Hitting hot and heavy already. Who was that? Cherry Pop and Daddies? Uh, yeah, the Zoot Suit Riot by I the Cherry Pop so. and Daddies. Wow. And I just saw Captain Marvel this weekend, so um, my mind was already in '90s music mode from actually. No spoilers. I don't. I, I want to see it. I'm just gonna tell you that it was absolutely fantastic to just have the '90s nostalgia. Oh, I'm sure it was. See, I grew up in the 90s, so the nostalgia is just my childhood. Oh, my goodness. I forgot how young you are. <laughs> okay, did you post, so since we started recording, we announced uh, the new MVPs for this year, and we did have a, a couple of people drop off, and I misspoke a couple of weeks ago where I said we had someone from Japan. We do have someone from Asia, but the gentleman's actually from India. So, uh, but the intros we did today... Zach, what was what was your TV you wanted show you wanted to re- pull from the dustbin? Did you say you don't have time to watch TV? I'm trying to remember. No, no, I, I said Eureka because I always want Eureka to come back. God, that is such a good show. I watched it about a year and a half ago, start to finish, and I'm like, this was so much fun. Why did I not watch this when it was yeah. on? Yeah, I didn't see it live. I, I kind of binge watched it as well, and it's one of those shows that every once in a while I'll I'll go back to because I typically when I'm working it's. I've got some kind of noise in the background, just a like a white noise type thing, mm-hmm. and uh, that's one of my go-to's. That and like Parks and Rec is another one I go to a lot. Yeah, Nick, what did you put out there uh, for my TV show? Mm-hmm. I never, I never really watch TV anymore. Um, but you, you gotta, you can never go wrong with uh, Top Gear, the original Top Gear. Oh, nice. Grand Grand Tour's getting better, but it's just not the same, right? It, it Grand Tour feels too formulaic to me. Yeah, they're. I mean, it's a different company. The first season was super formulated, right? It was really scripted. wasn't a lot of personality. And the latest season, I think I've only seen one or two episodes, but it seems to be a lot better. It's still not the same, but it is getting better. I'm what just glad they got here? rid of the American. Yeah. Kevin, you put uh, what? Uh, Firefly. I put Firefly because it was my go-to, and then someone brought up Gargoyles the TV show, and I was like, Ooh, oh, I missed Gargoyles. Nice. They're remaking that. Are they? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Uh, oh, wait, timeout. Nope. Sorry, I'm mixing up all my worlds. I We have a new comic shop in town, and we go to it about once a week for the the kids to pick up, like, one of the dollar comics or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they have a huge Funko Pop collection, and I saw Gargoyles Funkos, and that's that's what was in the top of my head. It's not a remake of the show. Sorry about that. That's okay. I know, I know that uh, I, I want, uh, since they read it, DuckTales, and DuckTales, the new one, is actually very entertaining. Um, and then uh, there's, a, there's a lot of hints in there, Easter eggs, essentially, to the other things in the uh, Disney afternoon, as it was in the mid-90s, I guess, maybe later 90s, I don't recall exactly. But there was like, one of the episodes had a call out to the gummy bears 
And then uh, one another episode, it actually looked like when you started watching it before the title screen came on, you know how, because years ago, TV show, at least this is my reckoning, TV shows had title screen and then you got beginning of content. And now it seems more a little bit of content, TV show, and then the uh, intro screens. And then occasionally you'll get like a commercial, which I hate, but whatever, or it'll go right back into the rest of the show. And one of them. They actually started out, and it looked like the beginning of Darkwing Duck. For a good, like, 60 seconds was Darkwing Duck. And I was like, this is amazing. And I, like, I like sat there on the edge of the couch just staring. And then they cut it, and it, like, froze. And it turned out that it was a TV show in the DuckTales universe. And I'm like, no! That's pretty cool. Yeah. But Launchpad is obsessed with it. Like, there's an episode later on where he's he needs a co-pilot. I don't know why he needs a co-pilot. He's crashing everything, but he needs a co-pilot and he's got a little like a uh, bobblehead of Darkwing, and he hits the top of it, top of his head and goes, let's get dangerous. And I just, <laughs> I just laughed my ass off. And then later he's like, Oh, what did you say? He's like, what do you say? Co-pilot. And he hits it again. And it's let's get dangerous. And I was like, I need that actual thing in my life. Nice. I need that. Whenever someone walks up to my desk and asks me a question, I just hit that. Didn't we also, I think it was like a week ago, there was something on Slack where we were talking about Disney and we I re, we recalled Tailspin. That's another mm-hmm. one I would probably bring back. There's also a call out to that. Uh, there's two call outs since I just rewatched the first season. There is, uh, they mentioned Cape Suzette a couple times as if Donald and the nephews are going to move to Cape Suzette because they want to get away from Uncle Scrooge. And that's where that was done. And then there's an episode with Don Carnage, the Sky Pirate. And the best part about that was that uh, he's no, I mean, he's still a pirate and he still flies through airs and steals thing, but he's more pirates of Penzance. Like he's, he's there to be in charge of everything, but he's mostly in charge of stage direction. All the rest of the pirates as they sing. <laughs> nice. it's, it's hysterical. It reminds me so much of Leon. Like I want to put him in the Don Carnage outfit. I'll I feel like see. he probably has one. Uh, he may or may not. I don't know if he was into costuming. I think he was more about the acting and projection of the voices. Yeah. But the presentation. Yes, he's all about presentation, which is the difference between a villain and a supervillain. <laughs> <laughs> which which one likes to monologue a lot while the good guys, you know, do things? Because I feel like he'd be that one. Yeah. He's a little of both then, I guess. <laughs> I don't think he'd be super happy we're painting him in this light, but I think he would agree and laugh. He's fine. <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So are we going to get a – I know, you know, we had a bit of an intro forum or intro thread on the on the MVP forum of Thwack, the, the group. Is there going to be a public, you know, welcome our new MVPs thing? Because I haven't seen that yet if it's out there. Uh, it's not out there yet because I still have to craft it right now. I'm crafting about a million other things for uh, getting ready for product launches. Uh, okay. Because you guys saw that we released, I think it was yesterday, like, I don't know, five, six products and a free tool. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff has to go on the thwack, and it's just a matter of making sure I chase down all the leads. And some of it literally is just standing there waiting, be like, can you review that faster? Can you review that faster? Can you review that faster? I need to publish. I need to publish. I need to publish. So – some of it's good, some of it's bad. 
but it's all necessary because the number of mistakes I make personally, like the post I put out there is like, oh, in real life, tell me who you are. And just, just that little intro post, I was like, I had like six typos in the first version of that. <laughs> nice. And it's, it's, it's silly stuff. It's like in should be is and on should be I'm. And, you yeah. know, little things where your fingers just go faster than your head. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I, I typically do pretty well with like email and, you know, any kind of thing that I have a chance to edit. But if I'm in an IM or Slack, uh, I I have to constantly go back and change my post because I, I create typos, uh, you know, like like a cloud creates rain, man. It's pretty bad. It's pretty mm-hmm. bad. Well, don't don't even get me started on uh, POs, man. I feel like every time I, I submit a PO myself without going through purchasing, it always ends up being a dumpster fire. Like I've mistyped something. There's an extra zero on there. It, it's, <laughs> it's so bad. So yeah, how much it, money have you, you know, embezzled from the school district, Nick? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I had one PO that I somehow put, it was like a $1,300 or something, somehow put an extra digit in there, fat fingered it. And anything over a certain dollar amount has to go to the director for approval. And he's like, why does this cost so much? <laughs> and you're like, because this I is need, a single I access a, point. What is yeah. this? <laughs> because I need a new keyboard, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's one of those new fancy new RGB mechanical ones that you build yourself and it costs you your life savings. Mm-hmm. It's ergonomic. That's all you have to say, right? Just say ergonomic and they have to buy it. No, you say, exactly. I, you say I have a doctor's note. And it's ergonomic. Oh, okay. It's a twofold attack. Nice. All right. Uh, so, so what's the topic for this evening? Uh, you know, I did some digging, and nothing really grabbed my fancy. But I did realize that both Nick and I are in the middle of upgrade storms. So we might want to maybe we'll talk about that. Hey, that's speaking fine. of speaking of all the new releases. Mm-hmm. So okay. Nick, you did your upgrades. Was it last night? Um, I, I, I attempted some upgrades last night and then ended up putting a halt on it because of the server 2016 requirements. So I'm just going to move the whole application to 2016, probably tomorrow night, and uh, go with all the latest versions that have been released. Like you said, there was a couple tools that got released yesterday. So those are on the, the shiny new 2016 requirement, which I am super excited about. Nice. Are you also increasing your SQL to 2016? Because SQL's already there. Yeah, oh, nice. our, our, okay. our DBA um, left the company a couple months back, and I was like, hey, before you go. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, the SQL's already there, so we're, our NTA database is already there as well, actually. Um, NTAs, the, the NetFlow database, is already running on the on the SQL 2016 server. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the app, app is next. Have you noticed a good amount of uh, performance increase with the the SQL versus the old Fastbit? I hate to say the old Fastbit. Yeah, right. Some of us were around when NTA was first in SQL. Yeah, my hands in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's actually kind of been night and day, believe it or not. Um, oh, okay. I, I ran I ran like a seven day query the other day, and it 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 loaded in the same amount of time I would expect a normal query to load in, right? And I was like, oh. Oh, I don't have to like go get coffee. I can just sit here and <laughs> click the button. It's great. You should add a weight to that so you can still go get coffee. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice. Good stuff. Yeah, I think the Nick, you're you're so young. You were probably in middle school at the time, but oh, you know, NTA used to be in uh, SQL, and at the time, it would create 
just I I I hate to say hundreds because I think that's a bit too much, but I mean it created a ridiculous number of extra tables and put a, the, the transaction load on the database when you were trying to report on anything more than like a couple of hours was just ridiculous. If you had, you know, any, I would say, you know, medium to heavy load of, of flows per second, you know, <laughs> let's just talk about page load times. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah just, exactly. just the summary page with defaults with like top five, everything which it, everything sounds bad, but it's like top five conversations, top five domains, top five transmits, tam, tam, stuff that you should be able to kind of do, but the tables that it had to scan across was just exhausting. Yeah, yeah everything I mean, was horribly indexed, if it was indexed at all. And Well, the indexes would blow out in like 20 minutes, so even if yeah. you did re-index, it just got destroyed. I, I, my DBA friend, when we were still running it, was like, who designed this? I'm like, I don't know. And I was like, it, it was, you know, it's funny. Proof of concept works fine, works great. Yeah. And then the second you actually throw a real load at it, just because real enterprises, and I'm not talking internet. Internet's going to be busy, but I'm talking just like WAN links. This thing just blew up. And it was, and then they were like, oh, Fastbit. And I was like, oh, Fastbit's great. The pages are loading again. That's at least something in the right direction. You know, and this is all as a customer. And I was like, oh, this is cool. This is going to be great. And then when I saw the disk I.O. requirements, not the requirements, but what was actually happening at the disk I.O. level when that database started to grow, it was insane. I was like, this is actually costing more IOPS than the SQL database. And they're like, yeah, sorry, there's no way to do this. I was like, I, can I add more RAM? Can I bring up CPU? Like, no, it's all it's, since it's flat database storage and it doesn't really it kind of resides in memory, but not really that it's all reading right back to the disk. I'm like, this is, and I, I remember being on the phone with uh, the PM at the time. And I said, this better just be a stepping stone. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been great. Um, you said top fives, right? Mm -hmm. Old school used to be real slow. I'm no lie running top 25, top 50 on most of my device, like the specific interface views uh, that I drill into and it's just oh yeah sure here you go here's all the data you, you want it, oh, oh sure yeah awesome thanks mm -hmm. yeah like I said it used to be okay I'll start this seven day query you know maybe more than that just to get an idea of you know over the last week how much have the Chromebooks pulled down right because Chromebooks in the education space are super high bandwidth right now and yeah go get up get a cup of coffee go do something else turn around start a conversation and you know yeah look at that one of the charts is loaded but that's not the one I wanted. But now, yeah, with the 2016, it's it's fabulous. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the, the app server, what improvements roll around on the app server side. Sure. Yeah. Well, I know that there's been some updates to the core infrastructure, a lot of bug fixes, and a couple. I, I'm hesitant to use the term memory leak because that means more than this. But things are now being done a little more efficiently in some places, just because the amount of content's coming back. Yeah, so we got one or two bugs that are that are nuking some of our reports right now with like custom property tables and whatnot. So really looking forward to that because those reports actually go to my director. So I'm trying to jump jump forward as fast as I can without being reckless, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, if being reckless is what keeps us employed at some point, right? Like if it's not broken, <laughs> what do they need us for? Yeah. Well, that's the other team is being reckless. Oh, I got you. <laughs> yeah. I like sleep. So... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd say it's overrated, but it's not. The older I get, the more I'm like, I don't even want to get out of the bed. Don't want to get out of the bed. <laughs> I 
which is which is something that's funny because I've actually always had that problem. I was the kid constantly late to school by two minutes because I would stretch it as cl- close to humanly possible as I could. Nice. Yeah, that's how I am. But so Matt had uh, Matt who couldn't join us tonight. He had also mentioned that he's he just moved everything over to 2016. Is that right? He like just did that yesterday. Yeah, he just built the servers and everything using uh, Kevin's script. That I think we mentioned on the last episode. Yeah. Um, okay. Awesome. Yeah, so I was going to bring that up. Links and stuff are, are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually I, I pinged Kevin last night while I was writing a, a you know a five second blog post about how I comment on my scripts and I was like, hey, you know, since I've taken what you did and you know, wrapped it with two extra lines. Can I write a blog on it? Do you care? You know, <laughs> so, sweet, so sweet I might do that because I, I basically took what he has and created a single script with uh, parameters on it to just switch it between a primary and ape and a web engine or, mm-hmm. you know, ape being additional polar. So it's, it, it fits us, right? I think that there's things in there that are in everybody's version of, of Kevin's script, as we'll call it. There's going to be things that only work for, for them, you know, but it is, uh, it's interesting how, you know, that, that one concept is kind of caught like wildfire. So, I mean, it, at this point, right, like within the last five, you know, Within, uh, let's see, if he did it last night, you're doing yours tomorrow, right? So within five working days, you'll have three enterprise-level platforms with servers built off of your script, Kevin. And that's absolutely petrifying sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. It would be petrifying if I wasn't spinning up, in the last role of the company, if I wasn't spinning up Orion servers sometimes three times a day. Yeah. And so... Yeah, so three times a day, and they weren't heavy load. They weren't anything like, I mean, maybe you're talking 12 to 14 gig database on the backside. So it wasn't ginormous. It's just a demo lab. But, you know, I'd have to get all of these ready repeatedly. And snapshots are good. Cloning is good. But building from scratch, I just, there's something about it, and it's probably me. And I know that there's vert and storage people who would yell at me. But I was like, for me, the building off of building from scratch always seems to, get a better performance number and it's probably just a concept in my head that it actually does that but it just feels that way to me yeah i think that um you know these days it's probably not as important as it used to be when we did uh when we did the everything that you know you do an uninstall and it leaves like five thousand registry keys just laying around right stuff like mm-hmm. that um, you know, and then we all found Revo Uninstaller, and uh, then it, you know they came out with a portable edition, which made it even better. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the last time I've actually used the command, uh, uh, the the control panel to remove a program on a Windows server. I pretty much use Revo for everything now. Mm-hmm. God, did I really build that script in October of 2016? I'm yeah, just looking at something what, you pasted. That's when you that's when you put it out there. God, that means I've been talking about it coming up on three years. That's still relevant. I mean, you keep updating it, right? So when did when did the uh, script step 3.1 come out? Uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago. It was one of those things where I was like, there. it, it was a snafu I caught, and it's actually, it's not anything wrong with the script. And it's not anything wrong, in quotes, with the way the Orion installer works. But whenever you ran the config wizard a second time, 
what it did was it actually renamed the INET Pub SolarWinds uh, website, basically kept a backup copy of it for catastrophic failure, and would rename it. The burn on that is that when it would rename it, uh, your redirects would stop working. Well, it's not that they stopped working. It just wouldn't take advantage of the redirects, which means your web got put back on the C drive. So the only way to actually get around that from the renaming angle was to actually move the entire INET pub over to another drive, which is, you know, Microsoft already says, oh, well, you should move these like seven folders and, you know, from reading through all their best practice documents. And I'm like, why am I moving like these seven folders to these different drives? And I was like, why don't I just move the whole bloody folder? But to do that, you have to, you have to put that redirect in before you install the IIS role. And if you don't, you'll never be able to put it in. Yeah, I can I can confirm that, and I think Matt can as well now because we both yeah. we both had that mistake. And basically, you know, in the the lovely world of VMs and cloud, right? It takes ten minutes to rectify, right? You just delete mm -hmm. it, spin yeah. up a new server real quick. Yeah, the funny part about that is I'm I'm constantly I'm getting pushback from people that are like, well, why isn't this in the admin guide? This and the other. I'm like, because this is after working with the solution for since 2006. I was like, this is 12, 13 years of working with it, plus, you know, another dozen years, not a dozen, but several years before that working on enterprise server systems and realizing that just because it's in the admin guide doesn't necessarily mean it's the best practice because our admin guide for SolarWinds doesn't take in every single Microsoft recommendation because then the thing would be, you know, as long as the SAM admin guide. Yeah. <laughs> What's that, 1,200 pages, I think, was the top size I ever saw on that? Yeah, I, I sad, sadly enough, right, when I used to do consulting and travel, uh, you get kind of bored riding on a plane two times a week, you know, so I actually read all the admin guides back then, and Sam was a was a beating. So. <laughs> yeah, well, the Sam one was just full of so many examples. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, it, it was helpful, right? I mean, it, it, it was... You know, before I did consulting, I had never used SAM. We used uh, mostly network things, right? NTA, NCM, UDT, VNQM, NPM, you know, all the, the major network portfolio uh, modules of, of SolarWinds. And when I got into the consulting gig, you know, it was like, hey, remember what being a sysadmin is? And I was like, eh, barely. Let's start reading. Yeah, you exactly. Know? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it was good. It, it was worth the read. Um and it's, you know, most of those examples are still on the, the success center today. You know, it just it's harder to find them than it used to be, but they're there. Mm -hmm. You need a little uh, search foo action there. Yeah. I mean, still to this day, right, as, as much as I love SolarWinds, I think we all note that the MVPs love them, but we're also the biggest critics and the, 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 uh, not manipulation, but the the user experience of navigating the success center a lot of times leaves something to be desired. Yeah, it was so much worse two years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's gotten better, right? But it's mm -hmm. still, you know, like if I want to, I don't know, if I want to find like, you know, release notes from two versions ago, right? Like basically just, you know, do yourself a favor, go to Google Type <laughs> SolarWinds comma and then whatever you want to search and that'll take you to the right success center link. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you make a good point, but I think we are also very spoiled having the Thwack community oh, right yeah. at our fingertips, right? 
and we've got you know a lot of us are connected with PMs and you know and, and some developers and things like that because I mean I'll, I'll speak for I won't name him but our wireless vendor <laughs> they're KB like if you want to find something good luck right it's just not it doesn't exist you can go through the admin guide and sure uh, it might be a little bit useful but example we just ran into an issue with a migration that we're trying to do from a physical appliance to a virtual appliance. And that migration, it just doesn't work. It throws some cryptic error about TFTP. And, oh yeah, sure, let's look in the admin guide. Here's the here's the error in the admin guide. Is there a resolution? Nope. Like, <laughs> I, of course not. So I, I think we're spoiled for sure. The bar the bar for us is, is for some of us, might be real low. Um, oh yeah. But yeah. I, so the success center has been just nothing but awesome for me. But like, then again, I don't live and breathe this like uh, some of you guys do. I think that's a, and that's a fair fair thing, right? Like I I, I would a hundred percent agree with the um, the fact that SolarWinds is by far uh, you know night and day difference between even what I would consider their second competitor. You know what I mean? Like as far as user community and documentation go. Um, now we do have a new vendor that we're using for some stuff that I would, you know, I'd be remiss to say their documentation wasn't better, but the Thwack community versus their community is just, you know, it, it's it's dark side of the moon type stuff, right? Like, you know, we Thwack is just matured into such a huge thing where it's, some people would, I can't remember the last time I've been to solarwinds.com, right? But I spend, you know, 20 to 30 times a day, I'll go to Thwack, you know what I mean? Um, whereas like, you know, other places it's, it's a bit opposite, right? Like you either avoid their community and their documentation because it's just so bad. Like you said, right? Like it's easier just to bang your head against things and figure it out yourself than it is to try and read any of their stuff. Or, you know, it's, it's one or the other, right? They either have really, really good documentation and, a lot of times no user community. It's like not even a bad user community. It's just not there. It doesn't exist. Or they have, you know, maybe a somewhat decent user community and like documentation that's a nightmare, you know, and it's, it's interesting how SolarWinds has, you know, seemingly achieved a really good balance with that. So, you know, like I said, right, we're their biggest critics, but it's very fair to say, you know, it's kind of like critiquing a, a, you know, well, this 20 karat diamond has this tiny little flaw in it. We want to get rid of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're not over here polishing turds. That's for sure. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit shinier than that. Yeah. Uh, what we have access to. And I'm grateful for it constantly. Yeah. yeah especially for some of us, right. That, that aren't, you know, 12. <laughs> Nick, but uh, some, <laughs> I got so, it. I got uh, at least a decade on that. Come on. <laughs> I, I will admit you are legal to drink in Canada. <laughs> um, and Mexico, as long as you can reach the bar. I'm yeah. coming up on 30 quick. Don't you guys worry. Oh my gosh. I wish I was coming up on 30. <laughs> <laughs> I um, wish I knew what I, na- what I know now when I was coming up on 30. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I, I miss the, the freedom of bad decisions. You know, I, I really do sometimes, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, what I was saying is, uh, you know, for some of us, right. That have used other monitoring platforms. So a lot of people that have used SolarWinds are, you know, the accidental monitoring engineers that were told one day, Hey, 
you know, I know while you're, you know, planning this new rollout of BGP for our edge, why don't you go ahead and take over SolarWinds too, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but some of us, right, we came from, you know, using a lot of open source technologies or using monitoring tools that, you know, might still be in the market today, but probably have less than 1% of market share, you know, and stuff that you, it wasn't plug and play, right? Like you had to learn an entirely new language or you had to take an existing language and put it into their spin, you know, things like that. And it's, it's, uh, it is easy to recognize um, when you look back at it from that light, how good SolarWinds is for us um, and how, like you said, right, how lucky we are to have it because I think, you know, most of us has probably worked places where we wished we had a good monitoring tool and we had, you know, a, a daily script that would go out and ping a bunch of servers and look at their volume size and send you a poorly formatted HTML email at 7.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a uh, – so we deployed SolarWinds in our environment, um, and that was handed to me, so that's kind of where I ended up now. And and that was go- all going great and well and good. And then, you know, we, we adopted a new tool that came with some additional licensing that we're already paying for from, you know, uh, one of the major vendors out there. And their sure. monitoring suite was, was free, right? It's free. Yeah, let's spin this up. And why aren't we doing this? Because why are we paying all this money for, for SolarWinds licensing? But that's a quantifiable difference that, yeah. that we have access to just all those resources because we spun up this other tool and just even to get it operational, right, is it, w- it was so difficult. And so when we reach out to the vendor of, hey, can we get some support on this? Because your knowledge bases legitimately don't even exist. Your knowledge bases exist for the previous major release, but there's nothing on this release. You know, can we get some support? And they're like, oh, well, that's the gold tier subscription, and you have to pay X amount of dollars oh per year. And you're just like, wait, hold on, hold the hold the phones. Like, oh. I can't even I can't even get a functional product out of out of this tool that you know is supposed to work as a monitoring solution. So it, it really is something that you can hold in your hand the difference yeah. um, on how much time you're saving and how how easily it is to spin it up and maintain it and you know come across any issues the community's there somebody's seen it somebody's done it somebody's fixed it right and it's, it's out there and it's easy to find yeah let's see that would be something in inter- something with an enterprise eula and they gave you software for free and you're like oh cool we'll use it but it requires two full-time employees just to keep it breathing yeah. It requires three hundred plus thousand dollars to get it set up by a consultant who that's all they do. And then when they hand it off, it's just uh, it falls on his face in under three months. I think I've worked with software like that before. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all have. Right. And I think that, you know, something that you hear a million times, uh, especially in the MVP community, is the the fact that SolarWinds became you know, such a foothold in a, in our environments because of the total cost of ownership, right? Like it's, it's a, uh, the price tag of the license is not the price tag of the software, right? Like it is exponentially more expensive to keep full-time employees on staff with a specific set of skills to run a thing than it is to be able to have, you know, plug and play, very user-friendly software like SolarWinds provides. And let's be fair, right? Because we're not a SolarWinds branded podcast at all. We're, we're you know, not even officially affiliated. 
there are other tools that are very similar to SolarWinds, it, it, you know, or other tools in the space that even though they're different are still just as easy to use, right? It's not that SolarWinds is the only one. It's just that, you know, for whatever various reasons, we've all adopted them as being, in our opinion, the best at a certain thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's other tools that might do a thing better, right? But is the juice worth the squeeze, right? Is yeah. it worth the 42 hour, 42 labor hours a week you have to dedicate to keep this one tool optimized versus, you know, people that can still be functional DBAs or sysadmins or network admins or help desk engineers or whatever they do for their daily and just, you know, cut out a little bit of time a week just to make sure the lights stay on on the back end of SolarWinds and the front end is providing value to the entire business minute by minute. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what space you're in, right? So if if you're AWS, right, you're going to need something that requires that investment, right? You're, you're going to be on one of those tools that's that's just real hot and heavy on full-time employees uh, who are just dedicated to your monitoring because it's that important because that's your service, yeah. right? I, so it definitely depends on what space you're working in. And for us, the company I'm working for, right, we're medium-sized, we're education. You know, we're, we're just trying to keep the lights on on the network, period, we don't want yeah. to spend all that time just trying to keep the monitoring up as well. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the really unique things that SolarWinds did in the market, from my experience with working at you know hundreds of different customers that own it, is like you said, right? You're a medium company. I work at a Fortune 15 company, and we have SolarWinds, right? And and Kevin worked at a pretty sizable global company before SolarWinds, and and they had SolarWinds, right? And it's it's interesting how we all use the same software, right? We all had the same modules, but it just worked for everything from, you know, small to enterprise scale. And it's it's kind of rare in this market to find a tool that does that, right? Typically you find tools that find a niche, you know, like this this really cool thing that, that's very DevOpsy, right? Well, it's amazing, but it only works if you're truly agile in DevOps. Otherwise, you're wasting a lot of money and getting a lot of headache, you know? Mm -hmm. And SolarWinds is kind of starting to fit that mold a bit better. Yeah, the one thing I like uh, specifically about the Orion platform software is that it's so customizable. Like, if, if you need something, you can probably surface the data. So you can build that dashboard. Oh, by the way, Nick, your sessions went over fantastically. Thank you for letting me use your decks. Yeah, man, I'm, I'd love to see how those went down, how an actual master can present that content. But. Oh, no, I wasn't at a master. But I, I did use your I, I did use the full title, which is your dashboards are bad and you should feel bad. And Excellent. then I also did I, the very first thing on the agenda is like, I'm going to show you some examples. And I know everyone, when I go in there is thinking, I'm going to show you good examples. And the very first thing I did was show an absolutely horrible example. I, and the top says, I didn't, I didn't say good. Did I? So <laughs> yeah, I just did a, a webcast uh, last week and that was the first thing was, all right, let's go over what we're doing and what we're going to, you know, do a quick summary, but here, let me flip over to this tab and it pained me to do so, but this mm -hmm. is a bad dashboard and gosh, yeah, it was ugly, you know? And, and just taking those concepts and, and flipping those around and how easy it is to actually make a good dashboard. Yeah, but the biggest thing about that is a conversation. It's funny because we're at the SWUG and we had, God, so much content we had to generate out. Um, so we uh, got all the stuff and Leon talked about his stuff about making a case and I talked about, uh, you know, tactics for humans and blah, 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 all these different things. And uh, you guys, if you feel like it, can look up the agenda. But the one thing that seemed to come through the most, which is funny for IT people, is that 
you need to have conversations. Like if you want to build a dashboard for a team, you got to sit down with that team. You've got, and when they say, when you ask, what do you want? They say everything, your immediate answer needs to be no. What, what do you actually want on this? And same thing for alerts, same thing for reports. It's got to be a conversation over and over and over again. And you have to make sure that's part of your, you know, that, that's part of keeping the boat rowing forward. You've got to actually go in and circle back with those people, you know, with alerts. Did you get the one you were expecting? Is there more information you need? Did this not actually is this not really something you need an alert on, in which case we'll just turn it off or do we need to change thresholds or any of those kinds of things? It's actually just a lot of content that requires you to say enough is enough. I need to actually talk to a human, which for some IT people, petrifying. And I'm one of them. For years, I was one of those guys. Yeah, so it's interesting you bring up conversations because uh, in, in that webinar last week, I also touched on you know, a dashboard itself can actually be a conversation starter, right? So if you've got, so for us, we've got a 60-inch knock TV that hangs above our area, and I'll get app owners or, you know, system owners come up to me and say, what even is that, right? Like, what is this that you have here, and why do you have all these monitors at your desk, and what are these, right? And they're looking at these dashboards that are set up to, to look good, and they're efficient, right? Uh, they're just properly quality crafted dashboards and that just looks awesome right it's like some batman level stuff mm -hmm. and that'll actually start conversation and, and get people um who don't you know know the monitoring side of things to come over to you and, and start up spark that conversation to go what is this and how can i get involved so i you know that conversation that stems from a dashboard turns into a sam template mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it's so funny the, yeah i think the continual feedback loop with a business, if you're not doing that as a monitoring engineer, then you're missing, you know, probably arguably 60, 70% of what we do that's effective, right? Like if you're not being, you're not providing a full value to the business if you're not asking the business what they need. True. And that's the same for, but that's, that should be the same for every business unit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a two way street, right? Like there's also the argument that, we don't know what you want, right? And mm -hmm. it's, it's, I think we've, we've probably been to these meetings where you do take the initiative and say, Hey, let's, let's get together. Let's do an audit of your alerts and dashboards, right? Let's make this work for you. We spend all this money every year to do this. Let's do it right. Right. So it fits exactly your needs and you get into the meeting and they're like, uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. we got that a lot. The other thing we used to get a lot was I would I would try to share the initiative. I'd be like, here's a dashboard I made just showing the WAN links for for the net team, because that's what I was on data communications here. Here's just now I want to make something similar for you, our identity management team. What systems do you care about? Well, I know you care about Active Directory. You care about the automation system that actually pulls stuff out of HR. You care about some of the HRMS stuff, you know, and so I'll take a first stab at it. And they're like, well, this is garbage. I'm like that's what this meeting is for. I, I want you to tell me it's garbage. Tell me my baby is ugly because I want you to help me tell, you know, ha tell the story better. I mean, as the only one in this session with kids, I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't want anyone to tell me my baby is ugly. You can tell me my <laughs> dog is ugly, <laughs> right? But my babies are beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, don't say anything about my wife. She'll cut you. I mean, your wife is awesome. Yeah, she's, she's pretty epic. I think your wife is the only wife in the group that has her own thwack profile she is my father is also on thwack well that's just that, that's just uh that's a disease maybe at that point yeah i, I think <laughs> at some at some point you we might need to do a intervention here well that was funny because 
God, how long? I'm coming up on my fifth year with SolarWinds. And I think the first year I got invited to do something during the WAC camp, I told my parents about it. I was really excited because I was like, I used to watch this. This was so much fun. It really helped me. And then they said, oh, cool. Can we watch? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I'm like, oh, no, you can't watch without an account. I was like, here, Dad, this is how you set up an account. Nice. Yeah. Now, the, the, the most important question, right? Have your wife and your father voted uh, an upvote for Dark Theme? Uh, I do not know. Hashtag dark thing. Hashtag dark thing. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that they've voted up too much. I know Dana's logged on a handful of times to like throw a comment here or there. Uh, but that's, it's just funny about Thwack because you were mentioning other communities before and there are a lot out there and some of them are excellent. Some of them are just so, I don't want to pick on TechNet. Because TechNet actually, for what it does, is fantastic. But the number of times where you actually just have experts, and I literally mean that, like people designated by the community as these are the experts to answer questions and no one else even offers an answer, is 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 shocking to me. Like, yeah. I, 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 like if I post something, I don't want to necessarily wait six days for the expert to find time or I have this thing appear on a report where there's non-responsive. I want someone to like, even just give me a guess, you know, give yeah. me something to work with. Yeah. It's like, I, and especially when one's, and we've all encountered it before at some point, it's like, I got a really weird error code. I have zero idea where to even start. That's when I just want someone from the community to say, cool. I saw something similar, maybe not exactly the same because I didn't write it down, but I did this kind of thing or I looked in this area. That's all I want. And I think, I think we get a lot of that with whack just because it's the, yeah, the PMs use it. Some of the PMMs use it. The, you know, the executives look at it, stuff like that. But realistically, it's, it's, it's something that the company provides that they've basically just like let in the wild and be like, yeah, yeah, we built it. We thought it was a cool thing. And it started out as, as a support forum, which was great. And then it evolved. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if, if all it does is provide that breadcrumb trail to get your mind thinking, it's not the exact solution, but it's it starts you, you know, troubleshooting in a different a different way, right? Sometimes all you need to do is get up and, like, go to the bathroom and come back and clear your head. Or sometimes you need somebody to point you in a certain direction or just start talking with somebody, right? It's, it's like that classic scenario where, like, why can't this talk to this? Oh, gosh. And then you call support, and support picks up the phone, and you're like, yeah... Uh, I, I don't know why this 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 server over here that's in our DMZ can't talk to uh it's in the DMZ it needs a firewall rule uh and like you just need somebody to talk it out with like mm -hmm. if if anything you know Thwack provides that where somebody says hey have you tried this and it gets those juices flowing sounding board that's that's the way exactly. I looked at it for, it's a sound it's a place for me to to throw an idea good bad and different or if I had a problem another one and I would actually put support requests in there normally for like rc upgrades be like look i got this thing after the rc upgrade and this is years ago obviously i got i had this problem i'm getting this weird thing it's not pulling this is this a known issue and i would ask him in the rc forum and then they'd be like no it's not please open a case and i'd be like cool and then i put the case number in that thread and boom circles closed i've got you know i've got support i've got the pms i've got the dev i've got whoever i need to help fix that problem on the hook but it started at the community level but i don't I, I don't think that's the best use of everybody because when frequently when I did stuff like that, I'd be like, I got this thing. And I had other people say, totally got that. You forgot to check this box. It's, it's written in the release notes, but it's way small down at the bottom of it. Oh, uh, you know, face palm, 
go in, check the box, all of a sudden stuff starts coming in clean. Well, but yeah. honestly, so you kind of hinted to it there, is you put the case number in the thread, right? Mm-hmm. So that you close the loop. So many other forums, it's just like, no, we solved the problem. How oh, did you solve that, that problem? Like, six years ago, this username on the same version with the exact same error code, but no resolution. You know mm-hmm. the, That exists on Thwack where we have the resolution. A lot of the times that actually, that loop is closed and you do have something tangible that you can take with you. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes it might be something as simple as, look, there was a there's something buggery in the database and I don't know what they did, but SolarWinds got it fixed, which is a perfectly acceptable answer. But other times it... I needed the I needed this hot fix. I copied over this file. Didn't get replaced in this directory, but it did in the other one. And then you've got your answer there. Yeah, and it, it, it more than that, right? You've got your answer for everybody else that comes after you too, right? It's um, I think kind of I, I empathize with Nick on this one, right? It is quite infuriating to see. Oh, I figured it out. Never mind. That that kind of post is you know just It'll it'll scrape nails on a chalkboard in some worlds. That is and, the uh, support forum version of a troll. Yeah, it, it, it's probably not always intentional, right? Like people oh, are no. just busy and they don't, you know, some people don't um, really want to, you know, type, right? Like a lot of people really do not like typing, you know, more than a sentence or two. Um, they're 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 talkers, you know, things like that. But I think it's you know the, the effort is very appreciated when you do come into, Hey, I found a, this thing and this is how I fixed it, you know, and that kind of stuff is just immeasurable, right? I've, I've solved. And I think we all have, right. We, we've solved so many problems by coming across random, you know, 30 second link we click on that has, Hey, you know, check this one thing. And you're like, that's it. That was the key to the whole puzzle, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. There's, yeah, I don't. I don't even know if I can explain how good Thwack has been for my career, and that sounds weird considering I work for the company. But I mean, it, it generally just learning those types of things. Uh, dumb thing, real dumb thing. Like when I started doing networking, I came in from a help desk. I had been working on Cisco gear for all of about three months. None of it in production. All of it in a lab at my house, and it wasn't like real, and it wasn't even modern stuff. So like then I go in and I I asked uh, the forum and I I'm gonna um I don't want to say the post is out there because this was before the last tech refresh on Thwack which is years and years and years ago, but I said can someone please explain to me what these six statuses for BGP neighbor really mean because yeah. I was using a UN uh, UNDP which is great it actually works now that it's in the product but regardless at that time I was like what do these actually mean you know what is idle what is established what is disconnect what is you know, and I can't remember all six of them now because I haven't done it for a couple of years but what are these do I care are they important which ones are good which ones are bad and what do they mean and someone on there probably a CCNE or CCNA or somebody just said here's exactly what they mean if you're monitoring for them these are the ones that are okay. This is the one you should be at all times. These other ones are bad, bad. And I was like, cool, perfect. Was able to write my alert. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, it's it's definitely interesting how how much data is just forgotten, right? Like it's some of us are real 
app to just randomly remember things that's pointless, you know, like we have just junk data in the back of our brain that comes out at all random points. Like for me, it's, it's uh, movie quotes, right? I'll remember if I've watched a movie more than twice, I'll probably be able to quote 90% of it. And I also remember passwords. So for all those, you know, customers that I used to work with that would give me domain admin access, you know, I'm going to shake my finger at you and put my security hat on and frown. But <laughs> that being said, right, hopefully they disabled my account the second I left the building. Um, it's uh, if you take the time to go and search this stuff, you know, the, the self-service, the ability to to go and, and find these questions and, and get your sounding boards in monitoring, especially, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, I've got a problem with OSPF, right? Let's go to the Cisco forums. You're probably going to find 5,000 answers there. You're probably mm-hmm. going to find 5,000 answers on Stack Overflow or, you know, anywhere else in the internet because it's routing, right? The internet works on that. Um, but monitoring, we're, we're as big as we are and as big as it is in our worlds is the, you know, the three of us or, or, you know, the Kevin probably knows the exact number, but I'll say 80 ish MVPs. Um, a lot of people, right. It's a, it's an afterthought. And, and that's something we, we struggle with, with, with the business side, but that sounding board is huge in Thwack because this is where you go to talk to people who do monitoring. Right mm-hmm. there, to my knowledge, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know of any other forum on the internet or even a sub forum that's dedicated specifically to the wide range of monitoring that's available, you know, throughout the SolarWinds platforms. Now, there's, you know, again, there's other user communities with other vendors that do monitoring, but they're not, you know, nearly as active, and typically they're a little bit, I don't want to say worse, right, but less mature. They don't have the the depth of knowledge, right, because the the people that I have seen in Thwack anyway, they, they come from such a wide range of walks of life. I mean, even within our community, right, like we've got, you know, Nick, you're uh, a network engineer by trade, right? Uh, Kevin used to do exchange admin stuff. Uh, you know, Paul is a security guy, uh, Mark over in the UK, he's a CTO, right? Uh, we've got consultants. I used to do a little bit of everything, uh, started in network engineering though. Um, we've got people that hate windows and only touch Linux and somehow found themselves monitoring with a .NET program. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, we've got, you know, we've got all this, right? And it's, it's just, uh, crazy how... I saw uh, my buddy Mark uh, Netterfield uh, posted something in in the Slack channel just a couple hours ago, and one of the newer MVPs was saying, you know, sorry to take you off topic, blah blah blah. And Mark was like, no, you got that backwards. We're we're always off topic. We sometimes yeah. think about monitoring, right? Like, <laughs> and that's really key, right? Is I think that that depth of knowledge is I could guarantee you that I could, you know find monitoring answers inside of Thwack, but I could also come and ask that OSPF question or the BGP question, or, you know, how do I, I don't know, how do I do a proper penetration testing for my security, blah, blah, blah. I don't like security that much, so I don't know the right words to use. Sorry, Des. Um, You know, stuff like that, right? Like it's, it's just interesting how, it seems to draw a lot of people because it 
it's not just monitoring. It might have been born in monitoring, and that might be its lifeblood, but it's so easy to find questions for basically anything. Mm. I mean, that's that's one of the ways we really matured our flow deployment was, yeah, flow is, is monitoring, but really it's a network tool, right? It's a network troubleshooting tool. And SolarWinds has how-tos on how to deploy, you know, on specific devices and this and that, and maybe a, that best practice or this best practice, but it doesn't beat, it doesn't, you know, doesn't cover everything. So I was able to collab with some other people on Thwack and, oh yeah, here's how we did it. And this is this is the way that we're tuning our NBAR too. And oh yeah, try your timeout, right? It, it's just the, those those little nuances that, that bring it to the next level and really make um, make that technology shine in a way that you hadn't considered because somebody else, you know, has done it. But for some reason, it's not in the white paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah well, sure. a lot of that is every everyone's working with different architecture these days. Everyone's, you know, and as much as we want to say, oh, well, everyone is going to have, you know, a, you know, they're going to be a full Cisco house or, you know, whatever. And it doesn't matter. Cisco is just a vendor I picked off the top of my head, but you're going to be in everything shop for that. It's like, that's not really the way business works anymore. I mean, yeah. you, 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 you buy hardware so that you can fit the business needs. And even the company I came from, which presumably, and for most of its time, was a pure Cisco house. It wasn't that way even when I was walking out the door because Cisco just didn't do some things as well as other vendors. Sure. And being able to not rely exclusively on one vendor's tools uh, specifically the native ones is just so much help and being able to say, look, I got handed these, I think it's silver peak, these like WAN things. And I don't know a lot about it, but I bet, you know, I'm a network engineer. I know Cisco and I was just handed these silver peak things. Someone please tell me what I need to do to even get started because the last guy, you know, up and quit, you know, and we've had those conversations. I think everyone on the, on the call today has actually had those conversations at one time or another with someone on Thwack. It's, it's just amazing that a community that was set up to lessen our support actually is nearly self-reliant these days. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. how we came up with our uh, our ACE monitoring for our Cisco ACE appliances, which don't exist anymore, thank the Lord. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, in order to get the multiple contexts to, to take backups in the, you know, NCM and in the, in the config tool, you know, that didn't exist anywhere until you start looking on Thwack and, oh, yeah, somebody's done that. Here's the how-to. Mm -hmm. Sure. It was a huge pain in the butt for one guy, and he's made it infinitely better for everyone. Now, sure. I will say the thing that annoys me is when I put a report out from like six or seven years ago, and people are saying today it doesn't work in my system, and I'm like, you do realize this is like this, is, <laughs> this, was, this was for 10.7, you know that, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you do realize this was built for, you know, essentially your great-great-grandfather's in technology terms. Yeah. Your great great grandfather's monitoring yeah. system. There's there's perf stack for that now, you know, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Funny enough, the number of people who don't know what PerfStack is is still boggling my mind. Oh, it hurts. It does. It's especially as pretty as it is. Now, granted, I, I know that you, me, and everyone that we talk to MVPs is like, I really want to be able to choose the colors. And it's like, is that really the important thing here? You can, yes. actually. Tom Ionelli uh, has a blog post on how to how to change the colors, the, the, the default, like the order of the colors in PerfStack. Mm -hmm. And no, I, I, remember. I remember when, uh, yeah, I remember when UX was, was first talking to us about PerfStack and they were showing us the, you know, the mock-ups and, and whatnot. My, uh, my suggestion, it is pretty, but my, I can't unsee the fact that the colors remind me of one of those 90s windbreakers, right? Oh, I wanted to use that. That was in your oh, deck. Dude. 
And Brand was like, you cannot use that. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I was like, come on, everyone's going to recognize that. That's and right, I, I forgot realized, I put that in the deck. Oh, I didn't. It was one of my, it's my favorite slide. I think it was like the first one. Oh, it was so great. Yeah, I but think yeah. Uh, I think Meech was having a hard time picking herself up off off the floor when I <laughs> when I dropped that on her. I was like, you know, I like it, but it reminds me of the '90s. She's like, oh no. And then you said the windbreaker. Yeah, I, and can, can we just do a quick shout out to the UX team there? They're they're the reason I work for this company. Just the fantastic work they do. And for a decade, maybe not a decade, I'm probably, and if she ever hears it, she'll yell at me. But for the longest time, whenever there was a UX thing happening, that was Kelly. And I worked with her. She, it's no joke. I've got, she has, and she found it on the server and it didn't have timestamps on it, but she easily has over a hundred hours of me as a customer recording complaints. That is the windbreaker. Oh, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's for, for reference, because this is a podcast, I just posted a picture of a 90s windbreaker in our chat. Yeah, we'll make we'll sure we put the links we'll put on the show notes. So. Uh, it's, it's, it's a work of art. <laughs> is it, is it bad that I, I, I distinctly remember um, seeing a picture of my wife when she was younger and she had that exact jacket on? That's not sad. That woman was retro before it was cool. That is accurate. She yeah. still is. <laughs> she's still so far ahead of her times yeah every now and then you can go into a burger king that's still got that color scheme if it's oh. in it's the middle of nowhere you know some, every now and then you can town. go to a burger king and someone's wearing that jacket <laughs> that is not untrue <laughs> oh nick you poor soul without water burger i Man. know i i uh i visited austin recently um uh and we ended up at uh is it In-N-Out instead mm-hmm. of uh, instead of Whataburger? We wanted to do Whataburger, but we ended up at uh, Rocco's instead. So uh, we went you, to Rocco's instead. Well, you said In-N-Out, so you, you know, Rocco's isn't bad. Rocco's is the opposite of isn't bad. Did you <laughs> did you did you see what uh, Danielle posted? It was like uh, on the when the voting earlier, and we won't talk about the specifics, but we were all voting on that poll, and then at the bottom she's like. And I'm 99% sure that we will be at Rocco's or something will happen at Rocco's. And I was about to chime in and be like, and you can add my 1% that we will be at Rocco's whether or not there's a company sanctioned thing. Yeah, whether it's sanctioned say, or not, it's happening. Like yeah. it, it's, it's a given. In fact, Nick's still in trouble for going to Rocco's without us. I am, Kevin. Uh, I've, I've been in some hot water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark, Mark over in the UK is basically just, you know, promised to – thumb his nose and bite his thumb at Nick and the next time he sees him just for <laughs> trail. I think he's going to po- pick my pocket and uh, use my credit card to pay for bottles and bottles of limoncello that he's going to have uh, checked that- in his luggage back to the UK. That limoncello is just so flipping good. It's amazing. I miss it already and I just had it a couple months ago. I don't really dig on like shellfish and seafood. It's just not my flavor palette. But apparently, they also have some of the best crab cakes on the face of the planet. They did. That yeah. was that was seventy five percent of Kevin and I's dinner was limoncello and crab cakes. <laughs> that is that that sounds like a well balanced meal. <laughs> well, I mean, we had trouble balancing on the way out. Does that count? <laughs> no, <laughs> now it was. It, it's it's so funny that that the MVP community has turned into what it is. 
And I mean that as this is not employee, although I'm wearing the hat today, employee Kevin saying this, this is practitioner Kevin saying this, the fact that the MVP community, we look out for each other. We try, didn't, Zach, didn't you have dinner with one of the UK guys recently? Yeah, yeah, I had uh, our, our good friend Michael Kent came mm-hmm. over and uh, he's his company has a office fairly local to me. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I I never would have, you know, had dinner with someone from the UK if it wasn't for Slack and the MVP community. Ever? I mean, not that I would be against it. I just, you know, the 30-something countries I've been to, like 29 of them were in APAC, right? I, I've mm-hmm. never really done Europe. Well, I will tell you, uh, I hung out with him a little bit in December at the London thing, and he dragged in two of his coworkers, and they were just in awe. I was like, this is what we do. This is, I, I know the company, I jokingly say the company uh, makes software, but what we build is communities. And oh, I thought you were talking about they were in awe at how much you drank. No, they were definitely not in awe because I had to present. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, not just communities, but careers as well, honestly. Oh, um, yeah. It, the amount that. of, yeah, the amount of PD that actually happens just as being a part of this community. I mean, shoot. I didn't know what a LUN was when I started my my career here, right? I've, I've been so only lucky. been in <laughs> I've only been in the game for five. Uh, actually, it's now six or seven years, right? So I'm still pretty green, but yeah. I mean, heck, when I started, I, I was a network guy, right? I just came straight out of a network degree and was, you know, gunning for my CCNA. I had no idea what storage really was, or you know, virtualization. I had an idea, but I didn't really understand it. So yeah, it, it, it the community not just builds. Uh, everything else, but it builds careers. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Same thing, right? Like I had never, never touched, never wanted to. Storage was like this weird foreign thing, right? The storage it had its own in, language. I mean, it literally yeah. had its own language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like the storage people always kind of kept to themselves, and they always said, "Oh, it's complicated," and I just left it at that. And uh, you know, kind of similar to to Nick, right? Like uh, coming into um, a career with monitoring and, and with solar winds with that, right? Like the, you know, like the SRM back then it was STM, right? Storage mm-hmm. manager profiler. And, uh, you know, it's, it's gotten a lot better since then. I'll tell you that, but it's also taught me just so much, right? Like there is to, to think I would probably, and, and I don't want to say that like, you know, we're smarter than other people, but we're, we know different things, you know what I mean? And we know different things because of what we do mm-hmm. and, yeah, who I mean, we I talk consider, and who we interact with. Yeah. I wouldn't consider myself an administrator by any means for, you know, systems outside of networks, but at least I feel educated, right? Yeah. I can be part of the conversation and then actually tailor that to the system that I'm now responsible for. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll go ahead and say it, Zach, we are smarter. so like what i like to tell you know people when i'm talking to them about at work or whatever right is a lot of times you hear people self-deprecate because it is full of um engineers and and admins that that have uh imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and um you get a lot of self-deprecation and i I try to tell people look you know like this is what i do i'm admittedly really good at this I have no idea what you do. You know what I mean? Like you're really good at that. Let's stick with that and work together, right? Like it's okay to know different things and to say, I don't know, right? That's probably the most powerful professional statement you can ever make. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, I always like to, uh, and I've done this, and it, it didn't turn into a phrase that I knew. I did it without knowing the phrase, but one of my favorite things to do when I had to have those meetings, whether it was dashboards or alerting or whatever, was, and today it's now been popularized. For me, it was always ELI5, explain like I'm five years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing has been so helpful, generally speaking, for me to understand my place at various companies, it's not just here. But at other ones, I'm like, look, I when I dealt with the storage guy, I was like, dude, you've got to help me. And he was like, oh, well, storage is easy. And for him, it was because he had literally been doing nothing but storage since the time he walked out of high school. And I'm like, that's epic. And I've got zero chance of being able to emulate that. Can you please just explain to me what's important here? And like, that's the guy that taught me what. And he's, I don't know, 10 years younger than I am. He taught me what, like. This is what an IOP is, and this is where latency comes in, and this is how the backend fabric is set up, and this is why this is that, and this is that way. And I'm like, and how did you get this? He's like, osmosis. And I realized that, nice. um, but a lot of us learn that way. I, I am a do it, fail, do it again, almost succeed, do it a third time, yay, it worked. That's the way I learn. I can read an admin guide, but until I actually try to put it into like real world scenarios for me at that time, it doesn't happen. Amen, brother. Yeah, I think that that kind of resonates for sure. I, I I am one of those people that's very tactile with learning, right? Like I have mm-hmm. to be part of it. I have to make the mistake that I'll never forget. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Like you can, I can sit in a lecture for for days and nothing really soaks in, but you show me how to do it, and it's it's very um very more apt to become a permanent part of my you know repertoire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually it's actually funny enough it's, it's something my father did and it's it, how he taught me about computers I don't know if I said this here I know I've told this story before and if it's a repeat let me know but when he taught me my computer at first I had a god it was a PS2 clone it was an IBM chip a 486DX4100 so it had the math coprocessor it was awesome 100 megahertz I don't know, 600 meg hard drive and like four gigs of RAM. And I thought I was hot stuff. I, I was, I was the be all and end all. And then I broke it because that's what happens. And when I broke it, my dad said, cool, we'll, we'll go up to your room. And uh, he brought up the discs for at the time, I guess it was the DOS boot disc and the windows 95 discs and discs three and a half. He brought them up and said, okay, we're going to fix this. So he sits down and he, he talks me through the whole process. It's like, this is what we're doing. This is how we're booting. We'll double check this. That looks good. We'll format, blah, blah. And we went through the whole spiel. And that was great. And then what happened after that was I broke it again because, Zach, same as you, I've got to play with it. Otherwise, I don't feel like I'm getting my money's worth. And it's really like it's it's like a zit you know is there and you just keep picking. Um, because I thought I was doing the smart thing and I wasn't. Um, and then the next time it broke, he grabs the discs from his office, comes upstairs, he's like, okay, cool. And I sit down in my chair. He's like, nope, other chair. Puts me in front of the computer, and he's like, now you do it. So he walks me through the process. I've got the book there on how to install DOS, what was it, 602, and how to install Windows 95. Two different books, probably about 400 pages total between the two of them. And I was like, okay, cool, got it. And then... The next time I broke it, I go down and I was like, Dad, and he's like, okay, cool, no problem. And he comes up to me and he hands me the discs and the books and he's like, call me if you have a problem. <laughs> and 
that was the literal best way I've ever learned because, and it's also the way I've told other people. I'm like, look, I want you to do it first because you know what you're doing. I want to see it. I want you to watch me do it once. So I understand what the hell we're doing. And then, then you can let me off on my own. It was, it was the same when I started learning how to do, you know, VLANs. It was the same way whenever I've done anything, it's, I always have to break it once, which thank God virtualization took over. So it's a whole lot easier to break and start over. Nice. Yeah, I always say that I, I make my mistakes in threes. Um, it's just a bad habit of mine, but I'll learn from that, right? But it, it's it's definitely something that you got to experience. And uh, that's why we have maintenance windows, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we do now. I, I will tell you that we did a, uh, we had to do, what kind of upgrade was it? I think it was a firmware upgrade on routers, my last company, and we got a worm. And uh, it basically everyone had to jump on a call and had to reboot all kinds of stuff, including domain controllers. Um, just, it, they weren't infected. It was just one of those things we better say than sorry by putting this patch information on there. And my boss is like in a separate side chat. He's like, hey, let's do that WAN upgrade right now. I'm like, all right, cool, let's do it. So like the five of us are like there in the background. He's like, which ones are you doing? And I was like, these. And he's like, okay, cool. And the other ones, which ones are you doing? Oh, I'm doing these. And then like during the overnight, we like patched all of the WAN routers because everything was up and down anyway. Everything had to be rebooted. Nice. Well, and you know that if uh, if you would have had a separate maintenance window for that, you know, a separate change item for that, somebody would have experienced an issue the next day and been like, your change to our routers or what's causing mm-hmm. our problems. You sneak it in there and nobody's the wiser. Yeah. Yeah, Verizon tried to do that on us for a couple of times. They were one of our vendors. We had three different WAN vendors, and they tried it once, and we are like, uh, our phones sound bad. They're like, sounds fine to me. I'm like, that's not how voice over IP works. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fly to Charlotte, North Carolina, get in the office, and then call you, and when you can't hear me, then you'll find a, finally work on this. I was like, what did you do to our gold car? And they're like, you don't have a gold car. I'm like, here's the contract. We've got a five meg gold car. They're like, oh, yeah, we did some maintenance last night. I was like, you didn't tell us. He's like, well, yeah, we, we didn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather have too many uh, maintenance notifications in my inbox than not enough. Mm-hmm. The exact opposite alerts. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I always sign myself up. Maybe this is... I still don't want those extra inbox things i just want an rss feed that's all i want and now rss feeds are like not a thing anymore and it annoys me i was like being able to subscribe to that to just see okay these are the things that are happening today would have been so great for stuff like that i don't know about you guys but at least for the solar winds deployment that i have at the scale that we have which is you know medium probably a healthy medium size uh i actually always sign myself up for every single alert that goes out because i actually want to know if things are too chatty and I don't mind the spam, right? Oh yeah, sure. It takes you 30 seconds to just, you know, shift click in your inbox and delete. And okay, let's tune that down a little bit. It's a bit, it's a little bit spicy. Yeah. But I, yeah, but that's also the same thing I always used to do. It's uh, as much as I tell people, yeah, you really need to not do this or not do that. For me, for the way that I worked best was to make sure that I got a copy of everything beforehand. And then if it was in the wild for long enough, be like, all right, cool. I am perfectly happy saying this can now go wide and I don't need to be on the distribution list anymore. Sure. But that was not an over the night thing. That was, you know, sometimes that would take two, three months of something to be in production. Especially I think alerts. That, 
I think that's a lot easier though at the medium to small companies, right? Or the, the, the companies that have a smaller IT footprint. Like realistically, I don't think I could do that without breaking my inbox now. No, like, not, yeah. at, not at your not at your org, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean there's there's you know legitimately thousands of alerts that go out a day here. And I mean it's it sounds bad, right? But a lot of it's, you know, improper tuning because we've just got teams that you know are just too big and it's hard to find time with them and stuff like that or you know everybody's too busy to to tune their alerts a little bit or it's you know legitimate issues that are getting you know addressed before they con you know they impact the customer things like that right like it's and that's you know something that's key i think is that a lot of a lot of us think oh well if you get you know, more than X number of alerts, you're doing it wrong. And it's, it, it's arguably a bad attitude to have, right? Because mm -hmm. as long as my alerts are coming in and allowing me to be proactive and, and stop customer impacting events, right? I feel like I'm doing it right. You know what I mean? Here's, here's the thing. If you get so many alerts that you don't read them. Yeah. That's different. If you if you if you bulk ignore them because it's chatty, as, yeah. as Nick said, and I think we've all dealt with that one time or another, putting bad variables or bad filtering on it. If if you don't read it, that's when it's a problem. If mm -hmm. if you are receiving legitimate emails, then where you can take action, then you're perfect. If if you receive emails that are like, hey, someone wrote a large file, okay, and no, that's it. I just want to let you know that's a useless alert. Yeah. In 90% of scenarios. Now, granted, there's going to be an edge somewhere that someone's going to yell at me about. But most of the time, that is a scenario where it's like it doesn't matter. It, it, this really has no bearing on the monitoring infrastructure or even with, you know, the 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 organizational infrastructure. You know, so I'm waiting for. Leon to full-blown Kool-Aid man bust his way into this podcast because he had he's got one or two things to say about uh, tuning alerts and alert noise, right? Yeah, he I think only has two. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I think that <laughs> one thing I've noticed over the years is that um, you know, like you said, right? Leon has a lot to say about that. Kevin does, I do, Nick does, Josh does, right? All the MVPs do. A lot of the other uh, community members do, and I think it's it's interesting how at their very core, right? There's, you know, a, a basic set of tenants that we all believe in. We just say it a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, there's some, and, and the edge cases are where things get heated, right? Where, where some of us are like, no, you should never do that. And other people are like, you said never, that's a sin, you know, and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it's, it's funny though, that we, we, all end up kind of in the same exact boat, right? Where you're like, I'm just exhausted with all these things, all these notifications. Mm -hmm. I need to fix it, right? I need to get it to a point that's allowing, you know, meaningful interaction between engineers and the systems. And you know, really, however you get there, it doesn't really matter, right? As yeah. long as the, the end goal is, is the same for everybody, I think. And it, again, right? Like it's like saying never, you can't say always, right? So I have come across customers who are like, no, I want these notifications. I don't care if it's too noisy. That's why I have inbox rules. And to hear that, right, for a lot of us, that's like the most cringeworthy statement, right? And Kevin's famous for saying it, right? If you 
What is it you say? If you have a rule, you've already lost something like that. Yeah. If you have an inbox rule, you've already lost because that means you're not reading it. Exactly. Right. And it's, it's fundamentally about how you interpret the concept of an alert. Right. And, and words really matter, right? How we each individually define those words matter. Is it an incident? Is it an event? Is it an alert? Is it a metric, right? Like all these words, depending on who you talk to, might have a different definition. And a lot of times that guides our our strategy and our, our schema of monitoring and alerting in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, this comes back full circle to conversations. You need to sit down and actually talk to that person. My oh, boss... Sure. Yeah. My not my boss, my boss's boss. So the director of enterprise architecture at my last company, she wanted to be copied on every message. I'm like, are you sure you want that? She's like, yeah. She's like, I'm just going to dump them into a folder. I'm like, well, it's basically going to be non-searchable because you're going to have, you know, over the recommended 10,000 unique items in about three months. She's like, that's fine. She's like, but I want to be able to correlate that. And I'm like, you know, we can kind of do that for you over here, but that's the way she wanted to do things. And for me, that's fine. If you have a way that works for you and you can work with, great, let's do that. Sure. Yeah. Everybody does things their own way and that doesn't make them right or wrong, right? As long as, you know, there's, there's definitely right or wrong things, but we're not natively right or wrong based on the way we do something. Except for dark theme. I d- yeah, for right. Yeah, there we go. If you're not doing dark theme, then you know, just go ahead and stop subscribing to this podcast. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking, when you said that, I was like, yeah, things aren't black and white unless they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you guys do the? I mean, I assume, right, that I, we're we're all at some level, maybe not all, but some of us are keep in contact with family or friends on Facebook messenger. There is a trick to send a crescent moon to someone and it'll enable a, a beta dark theme for, you now. Mm-hmm. Now that is, I think the app only, uh, yeah, I don't think it works yeah. on the web client because the app, the, the, the messenger app is just a data mining app, right? So yeah. I, I don't have that. So I unfortunately can't experience it, but I imagine it's something to behold. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I, my I forgot that Facebook has a website. I, I've it's been that long since I've been there. <laughs> like I, I use the apps. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love when my father said, "Oh yeah, hey, I'm sending text messages around to everybody," and he opens up Messenger. I'm like, "Did you allow it to manage your SMS messages?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Please don't do that ever. <laughs> <laughs> Just uninstall it quickly. It's already yeah, too like, late." He was like, "How do I turn it off?" I'm like, "That's a really good question." <laughs> get a new phone yeah, like, even then i'm not sure yeah. do you want to format that brick it you know what we'll just use that at the, to adjust the table height if you get a little nice. wobble yeah it's uh yeah <laughs> but i mean that's the dark theme aside this is this is I mean, funny the podcast is part of it as well it's it's spinning up these conversations because there's things that and i've only been on a couple of them and honestly the one from last week when i was at the swag i was so burnt out from that day that i just I don't remember a lot of what we talked about, um, but it, it's it's continuing that conversation. And I and I remember there was something, and I wrote it down in my tiny little mini thwack notebook. You know, the one that Leon carries around in his pant pockets all the time. I, I have wrote, one sitting right here. Yeah, I wrote something in it, and I'm like, I need to remember that. I talked about it the following day, and it was a scenario that uh, I think Matt had run into at his job. And it's like, these things are important. This is storytelling in its most fundamental form. This is campfire sharing. And it makes everyone a little better. Even if you don't know it at that moment, there's going to be something you're going to take away from it. And that will influence you 
probably for the better, hopefully not for the worse. It'll influence you the next time you run into a scenario that's even like it. We need to coordinate an MVP camping trip. Well, I did just buy a tent. I've got my hatchback. Like like for the yeah. first time ever you bought a tent? Yeah, I've never actually owned a tent before because I've never wanted to go camping. You, you East Coasters are so weird. No, the East, Co- East Coasters are within three hours. I can get to like six major metro areas. I don't need to stop in between and sleep <laughs> under the stars. It's not about stopping in between <laughs> because you have to. It's because you want to. No, no, I'm fine. I'm good. No, we I mean, did you, this year. You got the Adirondacks up there. Yeah, you got the Appalachians. The Smoky Mountains are close by. I mean, goodness. I know. I know. I've, I've driven across the Appalachians more than a few times. Is that um, how you say that? We say it Appalachians. Then. Sorry, well, Gazuntite. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we also say Gettysburg, not Gettysburg, and the and the town where the Amish live is Lancaster, not Lancaster. So Nick will get a kick out of this one. Yeah. In uh, South Carolina, right? There's a town or a city that's named Charlotte. In Michigan, the same exact thing is Charlotte. But if you talk to someone from Michigan and you're talking about the South Carolina city, they'll call it Charlotte. Yep. Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, there's, there's both a road and a river in Austin called Guadalupe. Yeah. And that's still wrong. It's a soft G. It's Guadalupe. Regardless, it doesn't matter. Um, not for this conversation, at least. I'm sure it's correct. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if you talk about the river... It's Guadalupe. If you talk about the road, it's Guadalupe. Yeah, Guadalupe is more of the Texican way to say it. There's a lot of Texican ways to say things. Yeah, I mean, well, welcome to Texas, dude. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here, here's your here's your travel translation guide, and here's your sidearm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and your tent. I mean, you you're you know five years behind on the tent. I know, but we we're we and someone's like, are you glamping? I'm like, well, I'm not roughing it. I'm a no. That's that's, that's Nick. Nick goes glamping. Yeah, no, it's I don't slightly think. glampish, but it's not a full-blown trailer. You literally sleep like, inside of a car. You're glamping. So no. I drive. It's it's a little bit RV-ish, but it's not. There's only <laughs> enough space for us to sleep, and that's it. That's not glamping. That's just that's that's just not unpacking a tent. You guys are funny. I'm I'm used to like putting a backpack on and just walking and figuring out where we end up, right? And mm-hmm. you take enough food that. You hope that it'll make you go for five days. You take enough food for three days and you, you know, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, that that leads me to an interesting question. Nick, what branch of the armed services did you serve? Sorry, you're asking me? Yeah. See, you're not the first person to assume that I was in uh, I was in the military. No, no, no. I'm not assuming. I'm guessing the answer is none. Yes, correct. The, the answer for me is also none. The answer for Zach is not none. So he can go out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> with three days of food and no and nothing but wilderness for five days, and he stands a better chance than either of us. Now I will Definitely. I will say this right to be perfectly honest. The older I get, the more and more I'm like, you know, glamping's not a bad idea. Look at mm-hmm. these RV deals. <laughs> yeah, I know. Dana and I are like, you know what? We're not going to buy a home no matter where we end up in our life. We're just going to like take all of our retirement money and put it into an RV and and diesel. Yeah, get you. <laughs> Get you an just, old Va- Volkswagen Vanagon. Just oh, don't I be those people that uh, that run the generator at night uh, when people are trying to hours. sleep. Uh, see, the only time that that was allowable was on the infield at Charlotte 
motor speedway because everyone was doing it because it's hot and it's sticky and you need the warmth. Nice. Yeah, but you're also surrounded by other people who are in RVs. It's when an RV drives up to a, a tent site, traditionally a tent site, mm-hmm. and uh, starts uh, starts one of those babies up. It's it's just horrible. Yeah, no, that's just rude. I mean, there's there's so many scenarios. That's that's the kids uh, at the restaurant restaurant who have their iPads on full volume because their parents aren't actually talking to them. Right. Well, and the the argument a lot of times is, well, where are we gonna shower? You're, you can see one of the largest bodies of fresh water in North America through the trees right there, right? You've been, have you ever been to Lake Superior? It's right there. Or, or <laughs> they you literally just, call it Superior. Yeah. Or you could, <laughs> or you could wait eight hours and do it in the morning when everyone else is up and has a cup of coffee already, and no one will think you're dumb. Oh, that, that, no. Morning when you're having a cup of coffee with that blaring in your ears oh no there's no good time of day to run that kind of thing man i'll tell you see what why we walk in see why we just put a backpack on and walk off <laughs> yeah because people don't carry generators to the middle of the woods no <laughs> no but i do have to figure out a way i i'm so over nerding this you guys will appreciate i'm over nerding this because we got uh, a tent because we were seriously considering camping at sherwood forest because sherwood forest if you buy they have a pass called friends affair if you get Friends of Fair Pass the week before it opens, the Friday before it opens, uh, like a full week, not like Friday it's open Saturday, Friday it opens the following Saturday, you can actually set your campsite up and you don't have to tear it down till the end of the season, which nice. is amazing. So you can actually go there on a Friday night, go right into your camp, crash out, get up, go to the fair, come back out, do the same thing Sunday, and just repeat for the eight or ten weeks of the season. And we were considering that because uh, we've got several people that do that. and. We looked at it and I was, and then we walked through the campground. I was like, "There's no way I'm sleeping on this ground." I was like, "There's no way." And they're like, "Oh, you can get one of these inflatable mattress things." So I look at like the camp pads and I read up on it, and it's like, "Yeah, this thing blows out in like three times." And I'm like, "And I'm not a petite man, so I'm like, that's not gonna fly." And so they and I like the tent we got was like an eight-person tent because two-person tents are a joke. That's like that's like two people that are super tiny to so like you mean like children yes tiny people yeah yes the tiny people yes that is correct so they should all be they should, like the, even the eight to ten person one should say eight to ten small children under the age of 12 um so we got a larger one and then we got two queen size mattresses they both take air to fill up they're like oh well both of them just plug into the wall i'm like there's no place to plug into a wall in the middle of a campground. So then I'm like, okay, so I need myself a, I need a solar panel. I need a, I need a, a, a marine deep cycle battery. I need some cabling. Uh, and then I need an AC or a DC AC inverter. And then I'm set for like the whole time. And I'm looking at it going, oh my God, I am so hyper-focused on nerding out for camping. Did you put a raspberry Pi in there too for flavor? <laughs> I mean, yeah, and then I could monitor it over you a cell monitor signal. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do it like uh, what uh, I think it was Michael Kent that uh, used his Raspberry Pi to monitor like the temperature in a steam engine, like a a, a toy, like a model steam engine to mm. regulate the t- something like that. We'll have to I'll have to talk to him about that. But yeah, he he installed Sam on a Pi to monitor like some kind of uh, steam engine train, I think. Man, I it's like, you dude, you over-engineered the heck out of that, but I love it. Yeah, it's like, round of applause, round of applause. But, yeah, <laughs> you went a little far on that one. But I think a lot of us do that in different scenarios. I mean, Zach is probably the only one I know who, like, seriously disconnects when he walks away from 
work in the computer. You know, you say sort of, right? Like I, I think we mentioned it maybe last time or the one before that I I don't hobby in IT generally, but I also have a really hard time like, you know, not looking at work emails and stuff like that. So I don't know. I mean it's six one half does the other, I guess, right? Like I'm trying to more I'm trying to like this year I'm trying to take a lot of the the things that I've got like sitting around in files and githubs and stuff like that and consolidate them into a you know a singular resource to share with people through blogs and public repos on github and things but that's probably the extent of like after work IT hobbying I do mm-hmm. um I think that if I I think Leon's probably the best at really disconnecting right because he purposefully well i mean he doesn't have to right it's it's a choice um yeah but he purposely you know every week uh you know disconnects his entire family does right and his his entire faith does Mm -hmm. um and he's written blog articles on like how refreshing that is both you know just to him to his work-life balance to um you know, to his interactions with his family, right? All that kind of stuff. And I think it's it's important to to strive for that. I just, you know, as, as much as I say, oh, I don't hobby in IT, I don't want to come across as like, oh, I'm so much better than everyone at disconnecting because I'm pretty horrible at it. <laughs> well, I think we all are uh, in, in one way or another. Leon has the... You're right. It's a it's a complete choice, but he does it better than anyone else, uh, mostly because he has you know his personal obligations. A lot of us will still, and I'll I'll read email tonight. I know I will. I may not respond to them, but then it's top of mind for tomorrow. But you know it's it's there. There's a difference between you know system downtime and personal downtime, and making sure you actually understand those barriers there, and mm-hmm. are are compensated when you actually have to you know, interrupt your personal downtime is super important. Some companies are great about it. They're like, yeah, you want to, you know, work from home, take an extra PTO day, you got your comp time or whatever. Cool. Do it. Other ones are kind of like, oh no, you're a salaried employee, which means, you know, you're at our beck and call and everyone's a little different. And just learning how to run that balance with you and your personal life and your family is I think key. It's yeah. key to maintaining set sanity in, an, in a constantly evolving world. Sure. All right, guys. Well, I got to step away. I got to. Speaking of disconnecting. Yeah. You like that segue, huh? (laughs) Cool. All right, gents. Well, I'm dropping out. So, all right, guys. Thanks so much for having the conversation. Always. Thanks for the chat. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye. Adios. Actually, I did take a Segway tour once, and no, I never did. I always wanted to. I did. I felt lost. I tried to get Nick to take a Segway tour of San Antonio when he went on vacation, and he vetoed. Oh. <laughs> Dude, there's there's not much worse than uh, a wild pack of Segway uh, folks with their helmets on, uh, just getting in everybody's way. Nice. Unless did you get awesome. it? Did you at least go on a ghost tour or anything? No, uh, we we actually ended up going out to the coast. We went to Corpus Christi, out to uh, Padre okay. Island. Yeah, it nice. was great. We'll have to we'll have to talk about your your trip and in the exciting things you saw, and like we'll tacos. To, and we'll have to plan some things when everyone's in town. Excellent, I'm up for it.